welcome to um, if that you know ever helps you. But um, if you have your Bibles, um, I want us to open up to John 17. Um, starting off with the question of like, did you know that Jesus prayed for you specifically, right? Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? Like right before he got arrested, he prayed for you. So I want everyone to like, maybe after you turn or before you turn, um, close your eyes for just a second. I want you to imagine this with me real quick. I want you to imagine Jesus being in the garden of Gethsemane right before he gets arrested. Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen to him. He knows exactly when he's going to get arrested. He knows exactly when he will die. He knows exactly how he's going to die. He's already seeing the crown of thorns on his head. And through all that, through all him knowing that, he chose to pray for each and every single one of us specifically. That's how intentional he is with us. You can open your eyes now um, and read with me starting in verse, John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. He prayed for his disciples before. I pray for also those who will believe in me through their message, which is us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then jump over to verse 23. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. So we see that this unity that Ivy talked about last week One of the purposes for this unity is for it to be a testimony of the person of Jesus Christ. And not only that, but John 13, Jesus says, And the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. So the love that we have here, the unity that we have here with one another is a testimony that we are his disciples. And that is just a testimony of Jesus. The world may know that you have sent me. Because like the community that we have here, the oneness that we have here. Like, you cannot find that anywhere else because it is just supernatural. It comes from the one true God. And then we see in verse 21, he says, Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And then again, I in them and you in me. So we see that the only way that we can be in unity with one another is that if we are in unity with God himself. He says, I in them and you in me. So like, track with me. Jesus is praying and he's saying, I in them, so Jesus is in us. And he's also saying, you in me, so the Father is in Jesus. What is he saying exactly? He's saying that we are part of that Trinitarian fellowship that has existed before the beginning of time, that will always exist forever and ever. He wants us to be part of that. He wants us to be part of that union. How crazy is that to be in communion with the Trinitarian God. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And you jump over to verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Do you guys like read that? Like, let's read it again. I have given them the glory that you gave me. What does that even mean? This is the same Jesus where Paul talks about in Colossians 2, where he says, 
Everything was made through Jesus. Everything was made for Jesus. He's the only one that holds this whole universe together. I'm actually going to flip to it right now. Colossians 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Him all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Saying is that He gave us His glory. This is the same Jesus where John, the beloved disciple, is leaning on His chest. And then He fast forward to Revelation. Revelation 1, Jesus appears to Him in all His glory. The man with eyes of fire and hair like wool and voice of rushing water. And John falls as though dead on His face. The same Jesus where the song of heaven shifts when they see the Lamb seated on the throne as though slain. Where they sing forever, worthy is the lamb that was slain. The whole song of heaven shifts and they sing that forever and ever and ever because he is worthy. The same Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Saying that he gave us his glory. Like what does that mean? I I don't even know what that means. It's crazy. But I do know that our ultimate response should be giving that glory back to him. Just like the, the 24 elders on the, like, around this throne, they had crowns on their head. God gave them crowns. And their ultimate response was to throw them back at His feet. It says in Revelation, whether the, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things. And by Your will, they were created and have their being. That's what our life should be centered on, is giving glory back to Jesus. Giving glory back to Jesus, to, know, to live a life knowing Him and making Him known. Paul says, whether you, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Our life should be a living testimony that brings glory to Jesus, whether I'm going to class, whether I'm going to work, whether I'm eating, whether I'm drinking, whether I'm working out, right? should all be centered on giving glory to Jesus. Verse 23, it says, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It gets crazier. The same love that the Father has for the Son, He has for us. What? Like, this is wild. The Trinitarian love that has existed before the beginning of time and will exist forever and ever, the love that we cannot fathom, that eternal love is naturally gravitated towards you. And then he goes in John 16, in verse 26, he's saying, um, this is Jesus speaking, I'm not saying that I'll ask the Father on your behalf. No, 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 the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. 
And why this is important is because it's saying that the blood of Jesus has made a way back to God. Where you can be in fellowship with God once again. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to, you know, be in the place of the Israelites where they're looking um, at Moses, right? Going up on the holy mountain where he's experiencing the glory of God. He is speaking to God and they're just looking from a distance. If they touch the mountain, they die on the spot. No, no, no. It's saying that the blood of Jesus has made a way. And it allows us to draw close. Close to Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. I don't know who this is for tonight, but I know that he is telling you to draw near. That you don't have... To, to keep it away from God. That He doesn't see you as dirty or, or unclean. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did today. But He's saying that the blood has spoken a better word over you. He sees you righteous, holy, and blameless, and pure because that is the same exact way that He sees Jesus. And He wants you to see yourself the way that He sees you. He wants you to find your identity in Jesus, in Him, right and not in your old ways, not in your old self, but in Him, because that's where you'll find true fulfillment. I think the biggest lie from the devil is, you know, you're too dirty to go to God, and, you know, the, the lies and the condemnation, but in reality, all those are lies, because He wants to keep you away from God, because He knows that when you go to God, right in that moment, right when you sin, is when you find true freedom, and He doesn't want that for you. His blood has spoken a better word. His blood speaks louder than condemnation, speaks louder than lies. His blood speaks louder than shame. His blood speaks louder than guilt. I don't know who that's for tonight, but verse 24, it says, Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. And I personally see the glory of God First, through my testimony and the testimony of others, where I see where he has pulled me out and where I am now, where he has pulled you out and where you are now. Now, also see the glory of God. <laughs> at one time at a coffee shop where my friend shared the gospel. First time he, sh- or he shared the gospel with this guy. You guys probably know Patrick. First time he's ever heard the gospel. Four months later... Patrick spends his free time evangelizing in a dining hall. That's the glory of God. Seen the glory of God a few days ago when I got to lead a small group of seniors at this um, high school, um, which is in a really bad area. And I just felt like God leading me to share my testimony and share the gospel. And like seven people ended up proclaiming faith and giving their life to Jesus. Just because... His glory is not dependent on me. He doesn't need me. He is glorified with or without me, right? But the only way that I personally can see the glory of God, the only way that I can feel, can touch the glory of God, if I give Him my yes and my obedience. The only way that you can see the glory of God is that if you give Him your yes and you step up to obedience, that's all I did. I was like, God, whatever it is you want to do, just do it through me. I am willing and I'm available. I prayed for opportunities to share the gospel. And He started providing because He wants all to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. So when you start asking for the tools to do that, He's going to provide them. And He's he's so intentional too. Like He's not going to push you out in the water. I remember when I first prayed for opportunities, man. um, He was so gentle with it. Like... 
he gave me like a small opportunity to get me outside of my comfort zone first. And then it just becoming, it started becoming the normal. It just started becoming, we're sharing Jesus. It's just part of your lifestyle. And so many times I, I look back and to be honest with you, I haven't, you know, stepped up to obedience like 100% of the time. But the times that I do, I've seen crazy testimonies stem from it. And then I look back at the times that I haven't. And I'm like, what could have happened, right? Could that person's eternity been changed and i know that god you know he's going to use other people but i just won't be able to see that glory verse 25 and 26 says righteous father though the world does not know you i know you and they know that you have sent me i have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that i myself may be in them the God of the whole universe chooses to reside within us. I heard this is the upper room, and my friend Regan says it all the time. The God who dwells everywhere chooses to dwell somewhere, and that's within his children. This is what Jesus promised in Matthew 28, 20, where he says, I am with you always to the very end of age. That is a promise, and Jesus never breaks his promises. He's with us, and he wants to build history, history with us. He wants to build friendship with us. And that's all Christianity is, is friendship with God, to know God and to make him known. So I encourage you guys to just wherever you go back tonight, tomorrow, this week, um, spend time with God alone. Build history with God, build friendship with God, build intimacy with Jesus and let him pour into you through scripture. Because before we see glory at App State, we need to see glory in our prayer closets first. We need to be in communion with God first because that's where everything will stem from. That's where our obedience will stem from. That's where our yes will stem from. It is through friendship and it is through communion and relationship with Jesus in the secret place by yourself and then coming one another in this community and then going out and making disciples at App State, seeing God's glory, seeing this campus flip upside down, right? Seeing his glory right in front of us. The testimonies that I've seen this past year and a half, man, have been just wild. It's, it's been insane. It's been unbelievable. Um, he's truly doing a work on this campus in our students and our professors and our teachers and everyone. And it just blows my mind that he wants us to be part of that. But before we see that glory out there, we need to see it in our prayer closets first and that one-on-one -on -one time with God and here. We get to see his glory here tonight because we're in communion with one another. We see Jesus through each and every single one of us. And we get to praise him together. And that's what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is not going to be boring. Heaven, imagine the happiest moment that you've ever felt on this earth. Multiply it by a billion forever. That's what heaven is going to feel like. And we get to see a glimpse of that here tonight. We see, get to see a glimpse of his eternal glory here tonight. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for just bringing us together as one body of Christ, God, in unity where we can come together under one name, which is Jesus, which brings all of us together, which breaks all barriers, God. Thank you for just giving us the privilege where we can be in communion with you. We can be part of that Trinitarian fellowship that has existed before the beginning of time. You want to be in communion with us. It blows my mind, Jesus. God, I pray that we just see a glimpse of the glory that is to come. 
pray that we get to see a touch of heaven, God, a glimpse of heaven, Jesus, here tonight. And I pray that our worship and our just becomes a fragrant offering to you, Lord. I pray for each and every single person here that may be struggling, God, uh, with sin, with repetitive sin, God, uh, with lust, whatever, depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicidal thoughts. God, I know that those bow at the name of Jesus, God, and true freedom is found in you, God, and you want us to draw close, and we can draw close. We have 24-7 access to the throne room where we can draw close, and that is where we find true freedom, Jesus. So I pray that we draw close and that we don't listen to the lies of the enemy, Lord. And I pray that we get to see your glory each and every single day, God. I pray that each and every single one of us just gives you our yes, God. Just gives you our yes, Jesus, because that's all you need. Just us give, you, you don't even, you don't need our yes, but you want our yes. You want our yes. And it just blows my mind that we get to be co-workers and partners with the God of the whole universe. All we need to do is just give you our yes and we will see glory like we have never seen before. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.